0: Perspective. Perspective is so important because it affects how we choose to see things in life, how we choose to see opportunities or obstacles or all the circumstances that are happening in our lives currently. I want to talk to you today about the power of perspective. And uh, my my perspective on uh, helping people move for 10 hours in a day is uh, just hire someone because... That's what we spent uh, most of our day doing, was lifting heavy things w- with my sister's family. So uh, just pay the movers, all right, to do it. That's my perspective on moving right now. Uh, but what if I asked you all, like, what's your perspective on life right now, on, on your job, on your relationship with the Lord? Um, And if I asked everyone that, I'm sure we'd get a lot of, you know, generic responses at first. Good, fine, yeah, everything's great. But then once you get to, like, asking how are you really doing, I think the answer is oftentimes the same. And it's this, I'm tired. I'm anxious about the future, maybe. I'm, I don't know what's happening uh, in the next few months or years of my life, and, and I'm kind of just tired, and I'm going to raise my hand to be honest here in church today. Does anyone else feel a little like I'm tired? Yeah, you want to join me in saying that? Thank you. I'm not alone, and I think this whole uh, COVID season has worn a lot of us out, like we thought it was going to last two weeks, right? And here we are, like, two years later, like, is it still going? Like, are we still doing this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's still around, I guess. There's more strains and all that. Um, but during uh, COVID, it was super easy to lose perspective, especially for me, because so many crazy things happened. Like, we would get these emails on way different ends of the spectrum um, at our church. So, like, the first email would say, you guys are cowards how could you ever shut your doors of your church? We need to gather. How could you make us wear masks? You guys are cowards. Then the very next email would say, you guys are killers. Like, if you get the church back together, everyone's going to get sick. We're all going to die. You guys are killers. So pick your poison, right? Coward or killer. And uh, it was just crazy what was going on. And just the whole, like, singing and leading worship into a camera was terrible <laughs> can I get a witness <laughs> oh my gosh oh uh, it's just like trying to get all this energy and you're like no one's in the room and it was just awkward and goodness it's good to be back in person with you all and and love you all online as well joining us uh, one people would always have a, an a opinion on you know what songs we picked, or what we did that Sunday. And I remember one of the first few times we were back in person, a sweet old lady came up to me after the service and said, I really loved worship. Pause for effect. Last week. I was, like, I was like, so like worship today was an L, like thumbs down. Like, cool, thank you for that backhanded compliment. Uh, Oh, my goodness. But do you guys ever have those moments in your lives where, like, you get maybe 99 compliments, but one criticism, and instead of, like, accepting the positive feedback and kind of brushing off the one, like, you frame the criticism on your wall and just kind of focus on that for the next year of your life? Is that just me? All right. It's, it's easy to do that, to hear the one criticism And so what I've been learning lately, and what I want to remind everyone here in church today of, and you online, is this. The Christian life is not about achieving, it's about receiving. And we need to uh, surrender to that flow, because it's called amazing grace. You and I got what we didn't earn or deserve, and God pardoning our sin, and Jesus taking that on himself as he went to the cross. And so I did nothing to earn or deserve that. I just received it. And then I allow the Holy Spirit and God's power to just work in and through me. And so if you want to grow, you have to surrender to that flow. It's not about achieving. It's about receiving. So if we want proper perspective in life, we just need to start right there. Here's some uh, interesting images that were taken at the perfect moment to show us a different perspective. Here's the first one. Um, it's a little creepy, right? Uh, they call that peering into your soul, because I think she's holding a mirror or something up. Uh, the next one is uh, the return of Bubble Boy. Oh, It's hard to see, but uh, it looks like he's in a bubble, but he's not, right? We know that that's true. Uh, or number three. Uh, I like the caption. It says, sometimes even dads need a hand. Um, obviously, he's not that tiny, and she's not that big. Uh, and then number four, uh, I took this picture at home. We probably don't have that one. No? But uh, so it's a picture of uh, me and my one car, and then uh, this little uh, floaty thing uh, that I got as a lifeguard hanging in my mirror. Uh, side story on that, uh, When We would get these as lifeguards in Galesburg, and we'd always haze the younger lifeguards, say, like, just put your keys on it, and they, like, float in the pool. It's magic. And so all the, like, rookie lifeguards would, like, throw their keys and watch them sink to the bottom (laughs) of the pool. Uh, And then one time I was in, uh, I think, college, and I was was the first time I was driving downtown in Chicago, and I had this hanging from my mirror, and uh, this cop turns his lights on, guns it, and, like, cuts me off, and I, I'm like, what did I do wrong? And he's like, take that junk off your mirror. He didn't say junk, but he said, he was like, why are you so mad? So I'm like taking it off, and he's being all rude. Um, but anyways, so the, the perspective that I took was like the camera was right here, right? So the, the floaty was right there, and the, the car behind it seemed very, very tiny. But we all know, we all know that this is smaller than a vehicle, right? Yeah, And when we lose perspective, um, it can make a lot of things in life that aren't so crazy be kind of blown out of proportion and seem bigger than they are. Or it can make a really strong, powerful, mighty thing like God seem kind of small and not as, as powerful as, as the object right in front of us. <clears throat> So, today we're going to look at five things that can happen when we lose our perspective. The first one is this we, when we lose perspective, we get stressed out about conflicting information. We're going to be in the book of Numbers today. Turn to Numbers 13. You guys are already there. I don't have to tell you that. Good job. Numbers 13, uh, this is the story where the 12 spies go into the promised land of Canaan to spy it out and to come back and give their report to Moses and all the Israelites. But a little backstory as to uh, where we are in history. These people had seen some stuff, right? They'd seen God's power and his glory in special ways that, you know, a lot of us probably won't in our lifetimes. Uh, They saw... They saw 10 plagues on the Egyptians. And one time I was talking about this, I think, to a group of high schoolers. And I, I was like, what was everyone's favorite plague? <laughs> like, that's a terrible thing to ask. Don't ask that. <laughs> but they saw God show up in that way. They saw God free them from slavery. They, then they saw as, as Pharaoh's army pursued them and had them trapped against the Red Sea, they saw God part that sea, and they walked across on dry ground, seeing the deliverance of God again and again. They saw the glory and presence of the Lord in a cloud by day and fire by night. These people had seen some stuff. But let me ask you guys, how much of that was their own achievements or them just being really good at life and Israelite? It was zero, right? Like they did nothing to achieve any of that. That was all God moving on their behalf. So we're going we're gonna to see in this text today how 10 of these spies had lost proper perspective and for some reason began to think that uh, they were going to have to achieve this on their own, apart from the Lord. So look at Numbers 13, verse 25. Says, at the end of the forty days, they returned from spying out the land, and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told them, We came to the land to which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Do you guys remember like Sunday school pictures of the guys like with the poles? They're like two guys carrying like the massive clusters of grapes. Anyone else? Just me? All right. Where are my kids directors at? All right. Uh, I love those pictures. Verse 28 then says, uh, However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. By the way, the Anakins are from the Skywalker tribe, and the force is very strong with them. I apologize for that cheesy joke. My brother really likes Star Wars, and uh, I just ruined it for him. (laughs) No, Uh, Anak actually means neck because they were really tall in stature, and so they they were the tribe of Anak. Um, So in verse 27... They all confirm what, what God had already promised them, what, what they knew that they would see in that land. They said, uh, there's lots of fruit and, uh, and milk and honey. There's good resources in the land. And then what's the first word of verse 28? Ooh, yeah. Mine says, however, but I heard a but out there. Everyone say, but, but. Here's the conflicting information. They're like the fruit and milk and honeyness, that's all great, but the people there are strong, and it seems like it's going to be impossible to overtake them. And do you guys know that there's there's always a but in any decision that you're making in life? Like in my marriage, there's going to be some awesome things in, in our future, but we're going to have to have some hard conversations today. And uh And some repentance along the way. Uh, Or in school, if if I'm ready to get some good grades this year, uh, I have to realize, but that means I won't be able to go to as many fun events because I'm going to be home studying. Or in sports, if your goal is to make every varsity team this year, um, but if you do that, your grades will probably suffer, right? Or if I want to grow in my walk with Jesus, but... I'd rather watch Netflix. Um, there's, there's the conflicting information there. So what are some of the big buts in your lives that are keeping you from moving forward to where God wants you today? And whatever's on the other side of that but is usually where we lose perspective and we can, we can even begin to think that God, who is mighty and able to do miracles and fight on our behalf, um, isn't as strong as he really is because there's this big butt in our face. B-U-T, not B-U-T-T. <laughs> but maybe, maybe your butt is, uh, is someone you work with, someone you see daily, someone in your family, maybe someone sitting next to you, I don't know. <laughs> but never let the the but make your decision in life. And the Israelites were stressed out because they had lots of conflicting information. There's good stuff, but there's lots of big, scary people in the land. Number two, when we lose perspective, we develop a scarcity mentality. So we feel like, we're always lacking. There's never going to be enough resources to get the job done. And I wonder if any of us feel like that today. Like, I'll never have enough. Do you guys remember the start of COVID? What a glorious time that was in March of 2020. Like, when you went to the grocery store and you saw, all the empty shelves, like it, it wasn't for bread and milk and like baby food, like essentials, right? What, what shelves were empty at the grocery store? Toilet paper. What? Like talk about losing perspective. For some reason, people thought, oh no, we're going into quarantine. I need to make sure I can wipe for two years. <laughs> like what happened, Right. Oh, and then the real the real jerks were going to Costco, buying in bulk like ten carts. Like, yeah, th- those are all mine, uh, and then selling like portions of it for like crazy high prices. Like, don't be that guy. Come on. So they had not only lost their minds, but they had clearly lost perspective. It was no longer about caring for your neighbor. Or looking out for those who had needs, it was just like, I'm going to get all the toilet paper that I can get. And there was definitely a scarcity mentality back in 2020. And even now today, maybe your thoughts kind of lean towards inflation's crazy. I don't know how I'm going to pay for gas or food. I don't know how we're going to have enough. It's going to run out. Look at verse 29. So it says, The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. So what are they they saying in that verse? Kind of saying like it's already full. Like there's people everywhere. There's no room for us. It's not going to be enough room. We can't do it. But what they're actually saying is this is probably too hard or too impossible for God. Like, remember, even though they'd seen some stuff in their past, they lost perspective and they, they developed this scarcity mentality of there's never going to be enough for us. Remember many times in the wilderness, they had that thought as well. Like, they, they were fed manna and they were like, this isn't enough. And so God was like, I'll give you some meat, but it's going to be quail and it's going to be so much, it's going to come out your noses, Right? You don't have enough, I'll give you more than enough. And my, uh, my calling, my profession and passion in life is to shepherd and pastor the church. And if I could be honest with you all for a moment, uh, pastors like me are notorious for having a scarcity mentality in life. There's not going to be enough money. It's not going to be enough budget. There's not going to be enough volunteers. Or in my world, there's not going to be enough musicians or singers and if we aren't careful, like even in a ministry context, we can make the Christian life about achieving things instead of receiving from the Lord. We need to keep that right perspective of what God has done in the past, who he is today, and what he's promised us in the future. And it's not an easy thing, right, to, to be a receiver instead of like trying to work hard for things. But it's so much more freeing to be a receiver than an, an achiever. And we see in numbers that these 10 spies were saying, we can't do it. It's too hard. Remember, and forgetting, forgetting the fact that they were where they were in life, not because they did anything, but all because of what God had done for them. So surrender to that flow, brothers and sisters. You know, another area of my life where I can feel kind of like I don't have enough, or I'm lacking. Is you know when, when my neighbors in my neighborhood get new toys, uh, they get a nice new ride-on lawnmower, or um, uh, a neighbor across the street is getting a kitchen remodel. I'll be like, oh, it'd be nice to get a new kitchen, wouldn't it? Um, or a camper, like that's a nice camper. I like camping. Do you want me to go camping with you? Like I, I like camping. Um, that's a nice camper. <laughs> Um, there's a there's a pastor I like to listen to from the south. He's got a real sweet. I can't even do it. It's called, that was like Scottish. Um, he's got a real sweet accent. How do you, how do Southerners talk? I can't even do it. I'm like blinking. They talk. They, <laughs> they talk. Y'all. They talk a little slower. Like yeah yeah. There it is. There it is. So, like, they talk a little slower and kind of sounds like they lose a few IQ points when they... Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Love, love you from the south. Uh, but this, this pastor, anyways, he, he, he said this one time. He said, he's like, don't be jealous of your neighbors. If your neighbors are getting blessed, you should be happy. Because if God's blessing your neighbors, that means God's in your neighborhood. <laughs> Right, right, proper perspective. (laughs) But look up here for a second, brothers and sisters. Our God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. He's not scared or surprised by COVID or the hard things in your life right now. He loves you. He's got you. He's more than enough. And it's not about achieving. It's about receiving. Here's the third thing that happens when we lose our perspective. We fulfill our own self-defeating prophecies. Look at verse 30. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are, we are well able to overcome it. I love Caleb. Right, we all need a Caleb in our lives. Like everyone, be quiet. We can do this thing. And uh, let me just say, like Jim and Paula have been that so many times in our lives. Just seeing the way that they live out and do ministry on on a daily basis, like they've been that. Like, hush, be quiet. You can do this, people, in our lives. And I'm very thankful for that. So. Caleb and Joshua were the only two that thought, this can happen, we can do this. But then look at verse 31. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. Just a sad verse, like they're fulfilling their own prophecies. We're tiny, they're big, we lose. You guys want to know something interesting? The person who says, I can, and the person who says, I can't, they're actually both right. Like, were the people bigger and stronger than them? Yeah. Could the Israelites win, not on their own merit, but because of who their God was? For sure, yeah. They were both right. And I want to encourage you all today, you can be the can person. You can be the Caleb who, even though 10 out of 12 disagree with you, you can stand up and believe in the power of God. Everyone needs a Caleb in their lives who can hush all the negative naysayers, but you also need to be a Caleb for someone else. And you might kind of be the person that says, the glass is always half empty and we don't have enough. But get around those people that say, no, 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 it's half full and it's going up soon. And whenever there are two conflicting ideas you need to choose from, all you need to do is run your decision through the waffle tester. I saw some heads go up, like, what? You guys know what the waffle tester is, right? Someone say, what's the waffle tester? I'm so glad you asked. Um, Thanks for asking. So when you have two big decisions or a big decision to make in life, and you're kind of waffling between two decisions, all right, is it wise or is it wimpy are the questions you need to ask? That's the waffle tester. Like, some decisions are going to be a little riskier, right? Take a risk. Some decisions are a little safer, right? Right? The book of Proverbs is in the Bible too, all right? Sometimes it's good to say no. Um, But whenever you're between the two, just run it through the waffle tester, right? Am I being, am I waffling between this decision because I'm being wise or because I'm being wimpy? Because faith, friends, by definition, is taking a risk, isn't it? Like believing in God requires us to uh, put our faith in what we can't see. And you're not always going to have a clear-cut vision of what's ahead or what your future is going to look like. There's going to be some uncertainty along the way, but that's why we all must have a right-sized view of who our God is. He's always greater. He's always stronger than any fear that we have in our lives. He's got you. He loves you. And in my own uh, life, in in ministry, I'm definitely a peacemaker. um, So I don't love confrontational uh, meetings or conversations. So uh, I definitely waffle between, am I being wise by not talking to this person, or am I just being a wimp and I need to suck it up and pray and ask for God's help and go after this? Um, And the majority of the Israelites here We're clearly just being wimpy in their report. We can't do it. They're too big. Fulfilling their own self-defeating prophecies. Here's a prayer you can pray if you're between two decisions right now. Am I wise or am I wimpy? Pray this. Say, God, give me the wisdom to know the right thing to do and the courage to carry it out. Actually do it. The wisdom to know the right decision and the courage to carry it out. Number four, we infect, when we lose perspective, we infect others with our negativity. We infect others with our negativity. There's nothing more contagious than negativity, friends. Like, COVID ain't got nothing on negativity because it goes viral and spreads so fast. Look at verse 32. So they brought the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants, and all the people that we saw in, in it are of great height. Another sad verse. So now everyone's starting to hear this negative report, and the word's spreading all throughout the land. They're big. It's too hard. We're not going to do this. And misery loves company, doesn't it? Like, if 10 out of 12 are saying it's not going to happen, like, odds are the majority of the other people are going to jump on that wimpy train as well. The, uh, the great theologian Taylor Swift um, <laughs> said it best, uh, haters going to hate. Am I right? <laughs> I love, I love that you laughed at that first part. <laughs> I love the interaction. You guys are awesome. Um, so these guys had lost perspective of how mighty God is, and now they're just trying to get everyone else uh, to doubt and to fear along with them. They're like, here's how big the bad guys are. Here's why we won't be able to get into the land. Like, so what if God promised this to us? Like, he must not have known how big or scary these people are. Uh, T.D. Jakes had an awesome quote, and I I know I don't agree with everything theologically with this guy. um, But he said this, if you're going to walk through the door of your God-given destiny, you must first walk through the hallway of haters. Yeah, it's like a mic drop after that. Uh, if you're going to walk through the door of your God-given destiny, you first have to walk through a hallway of haters. Because if you're going to do something bold for the Lord, something radical for the kingdom of God, not everyone's going to be cheering you on the whole time. You're going to have some people turn on you. You're going to have some loud people that get real negative real quick and try to get everyone else infected with that same Negativity. So again, friends, be a Caleb, be a Joshua who quiets the crowd, the negative naysayers. If we believe that God led us to it, he's going to get you through it, even through the negativity. Lastly, when we lose perspective, we project our own insecurities onto others. Look at verse 33. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who come from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Such a funny thing to point out, right? Because they don't know how they look to their enemies, right? Like they saw us as grasshoppers but if they're actually good spies, like wouldn't they not see them at all in the first place? So they began to just project all of their own insecurities onto their enemies. Like, I'm small, they're very big, they think I'm small, when they have no idea how they actually saw them in the first place. There was, a, there was this study done at Biola University It was called the SCAR study. So what this was was they got a group of people together and they had these really good makeup artists like put a scar on their face. So they were in front of a mirror, they could like see this gnarly scar they put on their face and the objective was to send them out into the public, go to restaurants, go to grocery stores, and then come back and just give a report of, like, did people treat you differently? How was it having this big scar on your face? Uh, But right before they sent them out into the public, the makeup artist was like, oh, let me just, like, touch that up real quick for you, and actually took the scar off their face. So they're thinking they have this big thing on their face going out into the public when really nothing was there. And every single one of them came back and said, people treated me so differently. They were so rude. I can't believe I'm embarrassed at how much people treated me differently when there was nothing different about them in the first place. And when we lose our perspective, we begin to project all of our own insecurities onto other people. But what, I, what I've kind of come to learn is that people aren't actually thinking about us as much as we think they are, right? <laughs> like they're thinking about themselves or like what I think of them. Like, do you remember uh, when Jehoshaphat was king of Judah and all three nations were coming against them? He prayed the famous prayer, We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you, God. And so God said, The, the victory's yours, the battle's yours. Like, just trust me. And so they sent the choir and the musicians out singing praise, singing, give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love endures forever. And God delivered them. And everyone saw God's salvation. And it says in Second Chronicles 20, verse 29, And the fear of God came on all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard that the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. So because of what God did for them, many other nations feared the Lord. And maybe word had gotten out to the Canaanites what God had done for them previously. Like there's a God in that Israelite camp who shows up in fire and a cloud, who brings on plagues and sets his people free. Maybe they had already heard that stuff and were already scared of the people we don't know that. But do you ever do that? Like many of us, like the Israelites, might be scared of what God has called us to. Like we won't make it. We won't have enough. There's too many butts in my path. I'm too small. I'm too weak. But friends, can we just embrace that? If you think, like, I can't, God, because I'm weak, he'd say, I know. You need to trust me. If you feel like, God, I'm not worthy, that's a great place to be to trust that he is a worthy God. And he still gives grace. If you feel inadequate, that's a great spot to put all your trust in God's sufficiency. If you feel like you don't have enough, that's perfect because God is more than enough. I know we focused on the negative things that happen when we lose our perspective today, but I I really want us to leave remembering this last thing. And it's this in order to keep proper perspective, magnify the Lord. I want to remind you all of something that you all know very well God is very, very, really, really mighty. He's very powerful. He's really good. Look at Isaiah 66. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me, and what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. God's really, really mighty. He's very, very big. Bigger than our problems and our insecurities. He's big enough to paint a, a canvas of billions of stars in the universe, yet intimate and personal enough to hold each of your hearts. And he loves you as you are, not as you should be, because none of us are as we should be. It's not about achieving; it's about receiving. I know I've I've talked a lot about COVID today, but I think one of the lessons God's been trying to drill down into my soul is uh, stop talking about or using the phrase uh, "pre-COVID," like life before COVID, as if like that those were the old good days, the good old days, right? And that actually sounds kind of like the Israelites when they, were in the, when they were free in the wilderness, right? They were like, man, I wish we could go back to the old days in Egypt where we were whipped and stuff. At least we had food there, right? Because, friends, we don't live in the past. All of our lives are going one direction, forward. So I, I need to stop. Speaking as though everything that's wrong with life right now is just because of COVID. COVID was in God's plan before each of us were born. He's not surprised by it. He knew how much a gallon of milk would be today or a gallon of gas. He wasn't surprised. He's got you. He loves you. He's more than enough. So as we move forward together, church, in our faith and in our journey with Jesus, let me ask you. Do your problems seem pretty big right now? What's your perspective on life? Are there big issues that are kind of staring you right in the face? And maybe fear or anxiety seem really big right now because you're sitting closer to it than you are your God. If our problems are are big and our, our God seems small, it's not that God is actually small right? And your problem is really big. It's that our perspective is off. But the moment that you and I get into God's presence and worship him for who he is, it's not that he changes sizes. It's that we rightly see him as the mighty and glorious king of kings, maybe for the first time. One of my favorite verses in scripture is Psalm 34, which says this, I will bless the Lord at all times His praise will continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. And if you think of a magnifying glass, like you're trying to see something uh, as larger, it's not that the object you're trying to magnify changes, right? And we know that God doesn't change. He says... I think in Malachi, I, the Lord, do not change, but we see more clearly, more closely when we intently magnify the Lord and look into who he is, what he's done, and what he's promised us for tomorrow. So question, friends, have you looked intently at Jesus in the midst of your pain or trials or problems or persecutions? Because our perspective is never off because God has moved or changed. It's always because we neglect to magnify him and to intently see his glory and his goodness. So keep magnifying the Lord. He's bigger. He's greater. He's holier. He's mightier. And he is our only hope as a church. So as we go before him now, I just encourage you to uh, get in a posture of uh, humility uh, and prayer. Bow your head, close your eyes, and just begin to look to the Lord. Uh, Father, we need your, your help today. Father, would you forgive me for the times that I lose my perspective and think that the issues and problems in life are are bigger than you, Lord, because they're not. Lord, you are great and mighty. Help us as the church be the ones who say, because of who our God is, we can do these hard things. We can move forward as a church because of who you are and what you've done, Lord. Remind us of that today. Just begin to pray for the person next to you as well. Pray that God would open their eyes, give them proper perspective of his goodness and his love for them. Pray for Jim and Paula as they travel, Lord, that you would uh, bless them, that they would be refreshed, uh, that they would just uh, see your greatness as they travel, Lord. Thank you for your mercy today, God. Thank you that we don't have to achieve that our lives are about receiving from you, It's called amazing grace, Lord. You're so faithful. You're so worthy. You're so good. And God, we all need more of you today. So humble us. Remind us of that. You're good. You're God. And you've got it all. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen.